One of the best ways to learn anything is to learn from someone who has done what you want to do. To hear the stories, the examples, the tales, the details of how that person has achieved your goal. Join us for a very special episode of the Rebel Entrepreneur Podcast where we have one of our listeners on who's just gone full-time of her business and we find out how she did it, how she went from employee to part-time to full-time, how she doesn't even realize she's doing marketing and sales and how she finds her customers. The extraordinary belongs to those that created. Rebelling against business plans and debt Rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur podcast. And it is an episode that has been inspired by by a previous episode. You may or may not remember, but there was an episode of the Christina Coaching Series, her second series. It was episode five of that series. It was called The LinkedIn Sales Strategy. And Patrick Venn, one of my friends who I met through Chautauqua, came on the show and gave us a strategy to use LinkedIn to send videos to reach contacts. Now, I was never quite expecting you to use it on me. Uh, but someone did, and that's why we're here. And I got a message from Elia Twig. Elia, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And you sent me a message uh, exactly as Patrick outlined, just the video. I had no option but to just press play. Uh, and you introduced yourself, told me you'd been building a business. You'd gone sort of part-time and built it, and you were just about to go full-time. Uh, and I was so inspired by your video that I thought I'd invite you on the show. Yes, that's exactly how it went. Yeah, the, the video. Actually, Christina was my first video I sent to because I connected with her first on LinkedIn. So I sent her a video and uh, just told her how much she uh, just her episodes have resonated with me and she had similar story, even though our businesses are entirely different. They're still service-based type businesses. And she had the same struggles I did with quitting her job. And, and uh, so I listened to a lot of those episodes just to kind of get me <laughs> ready for that uh, when I had to do that myself. But, uh, but so then when we connected, I sent her a video. We did a few exchanges back and forth. And then you connected with me. And then I thought, I'm going to send you a video. <laughs> <laughs> and then I we did a few exchanges from there as well, but that's yeah, exactly the, how it started. <laughs> the videos and messages that people send me are the lifeblood and the energy that keeps me going with the podcast and makes me go, oh, it's actually making a difference. Someone's listening. Things are happening. So I love it when I get those messages. I really do. Um, so Christina was your first. I was your second. Do you have plans to send any random strangers videos, which we would not recommend for kids to do, but you know, this is more of an adult business show. Um, I have not yet, but I do. I will. I will send some other <laughs> videos. It was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to do. Uh, but no, I haven't sent any other videos and I don't have any on my list <laughs> to send, but <laughs> I'm trying to still get my business going. Uh, so as 
as I get there, I will probably be sending some more videos because it was kind of fun to do. And it was yes. easy. Not quite as scary as you imagine. Right. Not quite as scary. But actually, just thinking about it, I could send a couple videos to just people that I know. Like I have a somebody that I met that is applying for a job and, you know, just a kind of like a good luck video type of thing would be kind of a cool way to send a message. So I definitely could see other uses for it, too. Yes, yes, definitely. And it's been I had some interesting feedback about that episode this week. Um, I'm currently in Colombia and helping there's a, a group of Colombians that wanted to bring Rebel Business School to Colombia and I, they weren't doing much outreach online so I suggested they listen to that episode and have a go uh, and I had to push reasonably hard to get them to do it but the feedback this week was he's had a 50% response rate and he's found some incredible leads by sending those messages um oh. And I'm just inspired. I'm inspired to get people to do more of this. I want more outreach, more finding customers, more connecting with people, I think would be fantastic for us all to do. Uh, but let's move past the LinkedIn bit because it is a useful strategy. If you've yeah. not heard that episode and you're listening, go listen to the episode. Patrick outlines, Patrick Venn outlines all the different like language to use and how to do it. And he makes it very simple just to send that first message. So go send some messages and do that. Um, but let's start here now, Elia. Where did the idea for you to even start a business come came from? Like you were you were happily an employee. Like have you always had this yeah. idea, or were you happily like how did this even start? Yeah, I mean, I would say having a business was probably always something I thought about, but never something I was quite ready to do. And then just I was working for a company and things were just kind of slow there for me. I really wasn't enjoying everything that I was doing and uh, just started thinking maybe maybe it's time for me to do something different. And I had a talk with my brother. He's a big entrepreneur and he said, you know, you're a licensed engineer. Why don't you just do something with that? Because you you can make good money doing that. Just find, find a problem that somebody has and just do that. And uh, so my sister, I have a twin sister, actually, fun fact, uh, identical twin <laughs> sister. We're both, we're both in the same field. So she's also an engineer and uh, she has her own business. So I thought, well, maybe if I started doing things with her, we could, uh, you know, maybe either go into business together or have separate businesses. And I just do work for her and, uh, as a sub, which is what ended up happening. Uh, I ended up just saying, I'm going to just start the business and see where it takes me. And I went ahead and got everything ready. And, and one thing I really like is just to come across as being, you know, really professional. So my brother helped me with getting some things in order of just, uh, just getting a phone line set up, a website. And even though my, my website right now is just pretty generic, I do have plans to make it a little bit better than what it is right now. And uh, just kind of getting the little business thing set up just to come across having the, the domain name and, and everything uh, for the business. So uh, that took a couple months to kind of get that going. And then of course, COVID, Oh no! <laughs> everything was locked down. So I thought, <laughs> cause my plan was probably to do it that summer. And then things just got delayed a little bit, but I was still really kind of struggling with work. I just, 
I, I enjoyed it, but I just wasn't feeling completely fulfilled. And so then I went to a couple trainings just for my business and just started helping my sister. And then I thought it would be kind of cool to go part-time with my company that I was working for just to focus a little more time on my business. And since I was kind of slow, I mean, it was one of those things where I could have a job that really only took me like two hours to do, but then it would take me eight hours because I had all day to do it. And it, I hated that feeling mm. of not being productive, just not feeling good about the use of my time. So that's when I went ahead, asked if I could go to part-time. Uh, they were good with that. And then I had another uh, project that they gave me through the company that actually kind of gave me more inspiration and just was helping me keep, you know, keep that job. And, uh, and so then I was doing my business on the side. I was helping my sister learning how to do basically subject system designs with her. <laughs> and then um, uh, just as time went on, I, I did some other training classes. I met some people along the way and contain, uh, just continued with my relationships with those people that I met. I didn't really know where it would lead, but I just continued the relationships. And I got a call out of the blue from one of them uh, this past like October-ish. And uh, there was um, just an opportunity that came up that uh, I, part of my past, I, I've worked in local government and I was there for 10 years working in local government. And I was a public works director for the last uh, three and a half years. Uh, so, you know, with this one particular agency that I worked for, they changed some requirements with the regulations for uh, having engineers now having to do the drainage designs for their, their uh, scattered, that's what they call scattered lots. So basically vacant property within the city, uh, they, if a builder is going to build on it, they need to have an engineer do the drainage plan. So this contact I had asked me if that was something I could do. And of course I said, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> it just How do I went, do it? <laughs> yeah, just kind of went from there. And my, um, I, I had, I definitely, you know, kept, I kept my boss informed, you know, that I had something going on the side, but uh, which was fine. It was no conflict of interest, but then with this, opportunity we my company actually had a contract with that agency but that was to do work specifically for the agency and the work was completely different than what I was going to be doing so I I had the talk with my boss about that and said you know hey I have this opportunity that's come up you know I don't you know I don't see it as a conflict of interest but I just wanted to let you know that this is something uh, that I'm planning to do my name is going to be all over these plans because I'm going to be signing <laughs> and sealing them are you okay with that? And he said, Oh yeah, I don't see any conflict that that's no problem. You know, there's, uh, you're working for a private company that's submitting stuff to the agency where we were actually working for the agency. So anyway, so things just started picking up and I had one contract that that first contract that was a lot of repeat work. And then that just led to more contracts. And I have like eight contracts now. And Another one that just got signed yesterday. That's going to be a really nice one. So, um, wow. so it's just been really nice. I mean, <laughs> a lot of the stuff I haven't even, I have never advertised. I mean, I should say not advertised like, uh, you know, where I'm trying to market myself other than just networking events and just going and meeting people and just keeping relationships going because I, 
think that that's always been really important anyways for my, uh, just for my growth. And, and I just love talking to people. <laughs> so, um, but I try and keep and maintain those relationships and that's really what's come from this. And then, uh, those contracts that I kept getting, it basically was word of mouth and they were coming to me and there are two in particular that I have contracts with, uh, that, um, the builders said, Oh, nobody answered their phone. You were the only one that answered your phone. <laughs> so I got those contracts simply because I answered my phone and I was friendly. And <laughs> so <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Um, yeah, my wife, is. <laughs> Katie and I speak regularly about the fact that actually it doesn't take a lot to stand out like being friendly being nice answering the phone following through and sending a quote when you say you will there are actually some fairly basic things that a lot of businesses struggle with like really yes. struggle with them we do this we're, we're planning a big event at the moment and we'll email 20 hotels and maybe three of them will reply and you're like yeah do you not want my money do you not do you not even want to reply and it's it's yeah. really interesting times so actually like doing the basics really really well sets yeah. you apart from a huge number of people mhm mm and that's exactly i mean it's a simple thing you just answering answering your phone but i mean you think about it really people don't want to answer their phone anymore they just want to get an email or a text message or listen to their voicemail to see who it is and then maybe call them back. So I, I, when I have, you know, I have a business line. So when I see a random number call, calling, I answer. It's like, Ooh, this could be business. <laughs> it could be business. You just never know. <laughs> so, so look, there's a yeah. huge amount to unpack in your story. Uh, I think the first piece of advice you received from your brother about find a problem and solve it. Yes. is one of the simplest pieces of entrepreneurial advice. However, it's also one of the most powerful pieces of entrepreneurial advice because if people have a problem, then you can charge them to fix it and they will happily pay because they want the problem to go away. Mm -hmm. How much of a, an influence help has your brother been through this process? Um, not much since the beginning, really. I mean, so that early advice from your brother of the find a problem and solve it and the little bit of help setting up the website and things like how important was that to getting you going? I mean, it was, it was important, you know, um, the biggest, the other influence was really my sister because she's doing the same work type of work that I was getting into. And um, you know, so that was, so she was a big influence as well. I mean, he really kind of got me even thinking about starting a business in the engineering world. And then my sister really helped me kind of keep it going because, uh, she was basically feeding me work. You know, I was, I was just doing all the work, all the, <laughs> all the work she didn't really want to do. <laughs> that was the work I was doing, <laughs> which was fine because that's how I had to learn. And I'm so glad that I did it that way because, uh, you know, it was still valuable work that I was doing. I was learning something new. I was kind of inspired and just invigorated, I guess, with the new work that I was doing because I was kind of in a slump with, with the other company I was working with. So it was just nice to have that new, new thing, you know, getting back into design, which I had been kind of out of design for a really long time. So 
but yeah, I mean, he really helped me kind of just get the idea to have the engineering business. And then my sister really helped me kind of follow through with that. And then through the contacts that I've made, that's how we how I've been growing just on my so own. Your so. brother and sister helped you get going, which I always love that because yeah, business is not yes. a zero sum game. We can all help each other get ahead is my belief. And it sounds like you've got that fabulous support network. How long did you spend doing the work with your sister sort of as a side hustle um, before you started to win your own contracts? And it sounds like it was just fortuitous that first contract. Uh, well, yeah, it was probably about a year and a half that I was doing work with her. And then um, the contact that I made that actually got me the first contract was from uh, maybe maybe six months into me working with my sister. And then I just continued, you know, reaching out to that girl. I just continued just saying hi, you know, sending a message saying, hi, how you doing kind of thing, you know, hey, do you want to go out to lunch? You know, just like little things like that. And we just kind of maintain that, that, I guess, friendship or that contact. And then as soon as that new change happened with that agency, she, she, I was the first person she called. I, think, I love that. You know, to see it wasn't that fortuitous at all. So, you made that happen, yeah. which did you ever actually go out to lunch or was it just yeah. the suggestion of lunch? No, we actually did um, a couple, probably like once or twice in that time frame. So it was like basically April. I met her in April and then my contract, uh, she made that phone call to me, maybe October time frame. So there were a couple of times in between that we, uh, that we met. Uh, she's uh, part of a, she's a septic contractor. So I was doing septic engineering work with my sister and our coasts that we live in Florida. Mm. So our coasts are very different with the rules. They have the state rules that everyone has to follow the state rules, but there are some counties that do a little bit have more stringent requirements. So the, the requirements over by my sister are a lot more stringent than they are by me. So really the only need for an engineer would be to have like a certain type of system, or if it's like really large system, then that requires an engineer as well. So uh, I knew that coming into the Brevard, into my county that I live in. And this, so this septic contractor that I was reaching out to, I asked her if there was any opportunity for me to go see some installations and just see their guys out in the field, do the work. Cause that's a lot of times, you know, I just like to, <laughs> I, I'm a learning nerd <laughs> and I like, and I, and I learn by, by watching, I learn by, you know, by doing. So uh, if I could see other people doing that work and then I, I can actually visualize it and actually see what they're doing, then that helps me with, with doing design. So um, she got me in contact with the engineer that she was working with. And uh, we actually ended up having this really cool lunch where it was her and her dad that it's like a family business. Um, this engineer that I really wanted to meet because he, I wanted him to be kind of like my mentor, you know, and then another friend of mine that's an engineer that also does, has done work with them. <laughs> so it was kind of like a meeting of the minds in a way. And it was a really cool, really cool lunch actually. And then, it just so happened that that same engineer that that I was kind of looking at as like a mentor for me, um, I took a class that same week 
at the end of the week. <laughs> and he was actually the instructor for the class. So <laughs> it was really, really cool to get that, uh, you know, kind of full circle, I guess. Uh, but since then, I've had contacts with him, you know, just asking him questions. And he was doing a certain type of system that needed his uh, service. So he, uh, for the same contractor, so he invited me to go out in the field to go and um, and just look at look at it and just look at how it was getting constructed and he just explained everything to me. I mean, he was really helpful, so it was just nice to see that and be able to visualize that type of work so that when I go and do the designs myself, I kind of just have a better understanding of it because it's all new stuff for me. I mean, I I'm learning <laughs> as well, you know, I but I'm resourceful. So I like to, and I'm not afraid to ask for help. So <laughs> I will call these people <laughs> and ask him how to do it. Or, or can you give me some examples? And he's done that. He, he actually sent me some plans for examples of, of how he did some things. So it was, uh, you know, again, it's just, it's, I guess I've always been that way. Just if I'm lost or if I am stuck, I, pick up the phone and call whoever I know that can help me, you know, and, and that's really been, that's really been helpful, I guess, on my path, but, uh, but that, but that lunch happened. And then we, I think we met, had another lunch after that. And then she called me for that one uh, opportunity that has led to multiple opportunities from there. So <laughs> she's definitely the best client ever. Elia, I, I love the example. I love what you're doing. <laughs> I just want to highlight for everyone listening to this, what you have done, because I don't think what you've said okay. is, oh, I just do this. And I don't think it's natural to most people. It's not necessarily natural to me to do what you've done. So I think for everyone listening to this, Elia found someone to speak to, sent messages to connect, made friends and asked someone that she didn't really know to go to lunch with her that's phenomenal like just doing that and connecting and networking is phenomenal and in the modern world where we do so many things online we send like very quick messages emails we don't actually physically meet people as much I think this is so important because one of the things I've realized over the years is it doesn't matter what industry or business you're in it always ends up being quite a small world. There's like five, 10, 20 people that do yes. most of the business in that world. And it doesn't matter what it is. This was whether I was in grounds maintenance and gardening, whether I was selling to housing associations or selling laptops, it didn't really matter. It was a handful of people that did most of the business. And what you've done is built relationships. You've made friends, you've had energy, and I love that sort of, I don't know, the, the, the geeky engineer lunch where you're talking about those things. It just, I, I can almost imagine <laughs> yeah. it now. I love it. It was like a lunch. geeky. <laughs> it was kind of a geeky lunch, but it was fun. <laughs> it's my kind of thing. I love that. So I think for everyone listening to this, who can you make friends with? Who do you need to send a message to? Who do you need to connect with? Who can you invite out to lunch and chat with? Like, how can you connect with these people? Because this, this feels like this is what has built your business. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what's built my business. Just, you know, I, I'm, I'm never afraid to 
to talk to people. That's just something I've always been able to do pretty easily. And to me, I think, especially when you share a meal with somebody, there's something different there. I mean, you've got, you can talk personally, you can ask questions about family, you can, you just could get to know them a little bit better. And that's why I like doing that kind of stuff, because uh, that is the developing of that relationship. And I, I think if I hadn't, I guess if I hadn't done that, maybe she wouldn't have thought of me to contact me for that opportunity. And then I wouldn't have had the seven or eight other contracts that came from that. So, and it's repeat work. Like it's like these builders, you know, they're building multiple homes in these in this community. So um, I actually had another connection from that. I had you know, I have to work with surveyors. So the surveyors uh, give me their surveys and, and sometimes I have questions. So I just call them and ask them, you know, whatever I need to, whatever information I need, you know, I'll call them. And this one particular surveyor just called me out of the blue and just asked me how things were going with his surveys. Was, you know, was I getting in the information I needed? We just started chatting and just kind of just started talking about his business, my business. And then uh, he asked me if I would be interested in doing <laughs> other work. And I said, yes, of course. And the next, the next very next day, I had another builder call me and it wow. was referred to by that, by that surveyor. And then from that point, two days later, I had already sent him a proposal two days later. And then within an hour or Whoa. so, he signed the contract and I had my first project with him that afternoon. So, and then the second project was, that was on a Friday. The second project was on, on a Monday. So it was, it was just kind of crazy I how things that. have happened that way, but I don't know. I guess, I guess the talking, it's the to, talking people to people has, and has one me. thing I'd love to highlight is you just get on yeah. the phone. So I'm going to, I've got some specific questions for you about that. Cause I think it's very yeah. interesting because we're currently on the fifth okay. coaching season so far. So we've had Christina, we've had Jamie, yeah. the artist, we've had Andrew, the YouTuber, we've had Keith, the food truck. We're back to Christina, who's now gone full time. I've got lots of other series that I'm working on at the moment. And pretty much every series that I've worked on, people have struggled with doing what you have just described, which is calling people they don't know. And they have strategies they yeah. use to help them feel nervous. And they're actually incredibly good strategies for feeling bad about calling people. So you imagine calling the person and then you imagine them being interrupted and being grumpy with you. And then you imagine fluffing your words and not knowing what to say. And then you imagine awkward silences. And then you gradually imagine it getting worse and worse and worse <laughs> until you don't want to make the call. And that seems to be most people's strategies for making calls, uh, including mine in the past, but let's not go there. Uh, that seems to be most people's strategies. So I'm really interested. I, I hope you don't mind. With your permission, I'd like to ask you a bunch of questions about what's your strategy. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Okay, so let's imagine uh, you've got someone you want to ring. Maybe it's, um, what were the people, that, what were the name of the people who did the surveys? When you, like the, the actual company name? It. No, no, they're like general, they were it, surveyors? Yeah, surveyor, or? yeah, surveyor. 
Um, that's like, okay. yeah, they, they're the ones that go out in the field and do all the measurements and get the boundary for the property and then um, get all the elevations on the property so that I could do my drainage plan. Cool. So there's a surveyor you want to connect with, you want to find out about, uh, you've got their phone number. What's the first thing you do to get ready for the call? Yeah, well, a lot of times it's because I need something. <laughs> And okay. that's why I'm making these calls. So in, in cases of like the surveyor, if I am missing information on the survey, a lot of times I just, uh, you know, pick up the phone and just call them and say, hey, you know, I'm working on whatever project I'm working, you know, and I have your survey and this information is missing, you know, is there something uh, we can do to get it or, you know, what whatever the case is. So it's usually something that I need, and that's what would make me pick up the phone. Uh, sometimes I'll email, though, and just say, can we schedule a call? Because um, that's on, sometimes it's not that out of the blue. This is why I'm calling. You know, here's an email with the information. I, can we set up a phone call? And I've done that several times, too, because then it's more focused, and, I, and I'm really regimented with my time so i like to be able to plan plan ahead sometimes if i can do that and i you know especially if there's information that i need from them that might be better explained in an email for them to visually see it and then we could talk about it if it if it requires more conversation but but yeah so as far as preparation of a phone call like that to me it's just i, I kind of know the information i need to get I might jot down some notes just to make sure I cover it all, you know, and then I call them and ask them for the information. Uh, if there's other phone calls I've had to make, like um, that's actually, that's probably the best strategy I use. I would put, <laughs> jot down some notes of whatever I need to talk about just so that I'm more focused with my thoughts. And then I pick up the phone to call. Um, so that's so what's the, gap between the notes and picking up the phone to call does anything happen or is that just an instant like okay i've got my thoughts straight pick up the phone like is there any internal dialogue do you say anything to yourself do you imagine them no like what happens between those two points nothing <laughs> i just put my notes down and then i just make the call i love that it, i mean to me it's kind of like i i just I don't know. I guess if I need something, I just have to, and I know I can't go any further with, with what I'm doing until I get that information, you know, then I'll put my notes together. I, and then I just pick up the phone and, and call. Okay. That's, so we'll come back to <laughs> that. Sometimes I get the voicemail. So mm, yes. Do you ever have to ring someone where you don't need something? There's not a specific need, but you want to connect with them. Um, I can't, I mean, I'm not sure. I can't think of any times I've really done that, I guess. I don't know, because I, I do, I'm like really big with networking. So I have gone to like events or, or if I meet people along the way, I already have, I guess, like that first connection. So it's not usually, I'm not calling somebody out of the blue, like, especially for my business, I haven't had to do any marketing. So, so for somebody like Christina or other businesses like that, I could see that being kind of scary, you know, to make cold calls or to just 
call people out of the blue like that. So maybe for me, it's different because I, because I usually am needing something and that's why I need to make the phone call. But for other, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't really had to do it any other way other than if I've already connected with them at some point in time, you know, to call them. So I think I'd like to reframe that slightly because you have already gone out and done the marketing. You have marketed because you have networked, you have met people, you have done all that stuff to build up the network to be able to do what you're doing. And I think we don't realize it's marketing because for you, networking seems like it's quite a comfortable thing. So it doesn't feel like you're actually doing it, but you are. You wouldn't have any of these contacts. You wouldn't have these people unless you'd done that stuff. You'd been out networking. You'd made friends with people on different things. You'd sent emails. You'd had lunches. You have done that. And then you found a reason to ring them and you've done it. And I think to highlight to everyone out there, Elia doesn't have that internal dialogue that so many people have between (laughs) making notes and ringing. She's like, okay, here's what I'm going to speak about. And then she picks up the phone and rings them. And so many people that I've spoken to agonize over those calls. And I have done in the past. I'm like, what can I do to avoid this call? That's not a productive way of doing it. (laughs) That's not a productive thing that I do. I'm like, I don't really want to speak. Can I send an email? Can I send a WhatsApp? How can I get around it? That's not productive, but you just, pick up the phone and do it. And that is what has continued to build your connections. And especially in the industry and the world you're in, it's a people and connection business because they know who they want to work with. If you do the work and they trust you'll do the work, they'll lose you every time on every project once you've made friends Mm -hmm. and you've delivered. So I think I really wanted to highlight this for everyone out there there is none of this like dialogue bit <laughs> that happens in the middle because I spend my time battling with that. It's like, okay, so tell me your strategy for making a call and people will say, okay. And like the kind of way I do it is I say, um, imagine I was going to do your calls for you. Train me how you do it and I'll, I'll do it. Okay. So like, who have you got a swing? What do you imagine? And they say things like, okay, I've got to ring this person. Yeah. But what if I'm interrupting them? I'm like, okay, that's a question to make you nervous and not want to do the call. Um, And there's a whole bunch of dialogue that happens between, which if if everyone listening to this, if we just remove that dialogue and we just went, okay, here's what I need to talk to them about, pick up the phone, make the call and see what they say, we would all make so much more progress. We would make so many more connections. And I think I've spent a long time I feel like I'm bleating on about this, but like I've spent a long time telling people just to pick up the phone. Just Mm -hmm. if you have the option of emailing or picking up the phone, pick up the phone because you will have a deeper, richer connection than you ever will by email. And from the networking with the lady that you like took for lunch from meeting these engineers, you said you even wanted to go and meet them. How many people do you know who wants to go out and look at the, the septic systems being installed and meet the engineers? (laughs) And like, I hope you take a plug for your nose, depending on what it is. But (laughs) How many people do you know that actually want to do that? You, you don't think you've been marketing 
because you've done it in such a natural beautiful way of connecting with people and learning and soaking up you've done it beautifully but I think you're doing a disservice to yourself when you say I haven't really been marketing you just don't think of it as that yeah that's probably true and and I I actually as you were talking I thought of another example that I went to a networking like social thing you know that they had it was a a home builders association type of meeting And I was at that meeting and I was just talking to a bunch of people and this one guy that he's not my direct client, but he's a builder that works with that client that I was talking about. And uh, so he and I have done a lot of communication back and forth because it's his home that's, you know, the plan is ultimately going for him. Uh, But anyway, so I met him at this event and then we started talking to this other person and I got a call out of the blue from that other guy (laughs) for a project that he wanted. (laughs) So I guess in that sense, yeah, I mean, maybe you're right. I should reframe that. It is marketing in that sense. Um, I even got, actually to come to think, I even got some work from my husband out of it because he sells printing and promotional (laughs) products. And uh, I had one of the pens that I had, you know, from, that I got from my husband and I was using it and, I, and the builder that I was, you know, had done previous work for uh, saw the pen and he's like, oh, this is a nice pen. And I just gave it to him and I told him that my husband sold printing and promotional products <laughs> and he ended up calling him and he ordered some pens too. <laughs> so my husband actually benefited from that meeting as well. I love that. But you, yeah. I guess what I'm saying to you is you don't have to reframe it as marketing because you just do it. But to everyone else out there, I just I wanted them to realize you're actually doing some you're just going out there and talking to people. You're connecting, you're being yourself. And that's what we need to do. And if we can remove the chat internally in our head and just go to an event at a Home Builders Association and make friends and have fun, that's phenomenal. And that's what I would say to everyone else out there. Like, if you took one thing from the start of this podcast, it is you have been out there talking to people, Elliot. And I don't like people don't do that. I didn't do it. You know what? I hated talking to people. So I would spend my time designing my website. (laughs) Yeah, I remember you talked about that a few times on your podcast. (laughs) Then I'd sit there waiting for people to come to me and it would never happen. And people are coming to you because you've been out there talking about what you're doing. You've been interested in them. Like you're doing a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And I love that. And like, I just, I want everyone listening this to hear this. It sounds like Elia has just fallen into an incredible business (laughs) and she's like, Oh, you know, the clients just come to me and everything's fine. Um, (laughs) That's not what has happened. She has been out there talking to people, making friends, going on lunches, going to see septic tanks being installed. She's been out there <laughs> doing this. And I think I really want you to like understand, like it doesn't feel like work to Elia because she's just learning and engaging and having fun. And it shouldn't yeah. feel like work because when it feels like work, it, you know, we struggle a little bit, but you've just been doing it. So to everyone out there, like, stop the chat in your head, pick up the phone and ring people. 
go visit sites, go visit people. And if there's one thing you've got when you start your business, it's time to do those things. And it's time to connect and build those networks. And I love, I love that you have done that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I guess it's something that does come a little bit more natural to me. But, you know, I've always been a believer that if you want something to happen, you have to make it happen. So oh. for me, I never really, I never really intended to make any, I guess, to get these contracts that I've, I've gotten, you know, the way that I have, I, it's just, I guess it feels more natural to do it that way. But, you know, yeah, you're right. I have made it happen to try and make these lunches happen or, or contacting or keeping these people in contact or going to these social events. Uh, but, you know, my, my, I guess, words I always use is, uh, especially to somebody, I mean, that other engineer is technically could be like a competitor to me. I mean, you know, I mean, we, we do similar types of work, I guess. Um, but I always look at it as, you know, people are willing to help other people. And if you ask them if it's okay to pick their brain on certain things and just, you know, get some ideas from them and just use it as, as you're just trying to learn from them, I, a lot of times that can be helpful too. So, which is how a lot of this started because even with that septic contractor that I was working with, I asked her when I met her at that training, would she be open to me coming to the field, going in the field and you know just watching her guys do these installations and connecting all, all the uh, parts together and just being able to actually see that. And so she was, very open to that. I mean, it, you know, so <laughs> I guess, I guess, yeah, you're right. It's making, just making things happen that way. But it was, you know, part of it was so that I could learn myself, but the other part was, you know, to continue the connections and, you know, having that excuse to talk to somebody. <laughs> I love know? that. So I love that. I love that. And everyone listening to this, borrow Elia's energy for this and just make those calls and talk to people and get out there and learn. And actually, if people ask you for advice and help, quite often you feel flattered. You're yes. like, oh, this person wants to ask me some ideas. Sure, ask away, tell me. And you feel a bit flattered that oh, someone trusts me enough to ask me. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's a great way. And I, I've done that many times over the years. Like I love to ask you a question be like I really want to learn from you tell me how you do this what happens I think it's fascinating mm -hmm. yeah um, so just moving gears slightly you said uh before we started the podcast that listening to Christina's journey of going from working part-time to full-time you experienced some of the similar thoughts and feelings as you were doing it what was that yeah. transition like because you've only been full-time for a couple of months now haven't you um, a month, about a month. maybe six weeks. Yeah, because I, <laughs> my last day with that company was at the end of March. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was a big, big deal because I just absolutely loved my boss and I didn't want to, uh, you know, just turn him down, like for not being able to work with him and, and just, I don't know, it was like that relationship that I had with him. I, I just really liked him and I didn't want him to think that I was letting him down really more than anything. And uh, so a lot of the things that Christina said about, you know, you have that loyalty to your company and you have that, uh, that feeling that, of course, that they need you and everything. And, and I know that that was true, 
but that's where that's where it was hard to to have that conversation. Uh, so that one, you know, you talk about how to prepare for your conversation and the, the little words in your head. And I have I actually use a couple of resources that that help me put my thoughts together. There is a book uh, that I use um, that's um, power phrases is what it's called. Hmm. And it it basically just has like some ways to to put your thoughts together. Um, so I'll I'll kind of refer to that sometimes. And um, if I'm if I know I'm going to have to have a difficult conversation, which I don't I actually don't run from those difficult conversations because I've managed tons of people in my past. And you, sometimes <laughs> you just have to have this really hard talk. So I don't really I don't struggle doing that. I mean, I, you know, I have to prepare. I prepare my thoughts. I put them down on paper, you know, because I really do need to have that that mindset going into mm. the to the conversation. So I just uh, blurted out to my boss and said, "Hey, I really need to talk to you. Can we have uh, lunch to you know to go over what I'm you know things that I'm thinking about?" And he maybe saw it coming already. I don't know, but. Um, I tried to actually quit in February. And so I, my, my hours were like about 24 hours a week on average is what I was doing. And uh, so three days a week. And I had the conversation with him and just tried to quit. <laughs> and then he's like, he's like, well, why don't you just do like contingent, you know, just like work as needed. I said, okay, I can do that. And then uh, I, I did that for about, a few weeks, a month, almost a month, or actually it was probably about a month. And I kept thinking, you know, the work I'm doing with this company is always going to be second place to me because my business is always going to be my priority. And I just didn't think that was fair to the company that I was working for. So I asked him if we can <laughs> have lunch again and just had told him that I really just needed to, to leave. So I wanted to come up with that exit strategy of what, of what I needed to do. And um, what he needed me to do to finish out. And I just made sure I met my commitments before I left. And, and that was, and that was it, but it, it was definitely a tough thing because I've not really ever had to quit a job before. Um, I've only ever really done it once before the last one politi politics got, when you work for local government and you're a public works director, public you know, politics can, can really have a, a play in, in your life in that organization. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I knew that there were some things going on that I didn't like anyways that, that from the new leadership. And I had predicted that there would be some jail time possibly for, for one or two of the people. Wow. <laughs> and I wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Whoa. So it wasn't really the organization I needed to be in at that no. time anyways. So, um, but but, you know, moving on to that other company that I just previously um, quit, that's really the second time I've ever had to quit a job. And, and, and that was just really hard for me to do. So I did listen to those episodes, though, that Christina had where she, you know, basically had the same struggles that I did um, with telling my boss and just having to, to go through that process. But I had to do it. You had to <laughs> do it. It was the only way I had to do it. So... <laughs> I was going to pull my hair out. I was going to go crazy just with all the workload I was getting on my business. And then just having to have the commitments that I had with that company. It just, 
was just getting too hard. So, well, I guess in a way it was far easier for me last job. I just got fired, uh, which then yeah. that's a lot easier because you don't really have a choice in it. It was quite painful yeah. at the time. Um, so question about the financials of that one. You had enough work to go on to. You had an emergency fund. You knew your money was good. The financials was the easy bit, was it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my husband and I, uh, I have uh, my oldest kid is 14. So before he was, I was pregnant with him. We learned about Dave Ramsey and his ideas and philosophies mm. of, of money, basically paying off your debts and just living off cash. And so really from that time, it's been over 14 years now that uh, actually almost uh, 15 years that we've you know, at that time we sold some things that we loved and, and we paid off my student loans, just our cars. We didn't have any car payments. So since then I haven't had a car payment. So I've just had, we've just made some good financial decisions since then and um, paid off our house like several years ago. So we've just been living great, you know, from that perspective and, you know, saving money uh, here and there and just doing, doing things like that. But um, so I didn't have a huge savings because I was already starting to pinch into it from going part-time. Uh, but the part-time I calculated how, what I needed in the month just to make things normal and not have to uh, feel like we needed to eat ramen noodles every day for dinner, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, so that's how I came up with the 24 hours to be able to, you know, I, I knew I could, I could make that work. And so but once my, I started doing my business more, I was getting some income from that. And I had not paid myself yet from my business because I just wanted to, that to build up a little bit. And, uh, but then February, actually two years and one day to the day, I paid myself for the first time ever. Wow. <laughs> so that was a good feeling. Uh, but then uh, I have skipped one paycheck for myself because I did um, actually at the end of March, uh, you know, I, that ended that career with that company. And then a few days later, I had my first employee start and he is a part-timer. So uh, I had to be the IT girl and get his computer set up and everything set up, you know, to get him going. But, um, you know, so that was kind of a struggle for me. In fact, it's still right now, I, I've never have credit card balances. And right now I have a credit card balance because, you know, just looking and thinking about cash flow and not really ever having to think about that or worry about that. And now I have an employee to pay. <laughs> I need to make sure at least have money to pay him. That's like the priority. And I've got enough, you know, in the bank that if, if I skip a couple paychecks that I would be okay, but, um, but I can't go too far doing no. that, you know, and, um, so I do have some money. I could at least, I think I'm just going to like loan myself money from my personal money, you know, to pay off that credit card. Cause I hate seeing that credit card and I hate to pay paying uh, interest somebody else interest payments. Yeah. <laughs> it is pay them the interest when I could make myself an interest, you know, payment. <laughs> so you can do that um, from your company. You can yeah. lend your company money and charge yourself interest. Like it's yeah. far better to pay yourself interest than a credit card. Yeah, so that's probably what I'm going to do because I hate seeing that balance. I don't want to be holding a month of balance. But 
but um, so yeah, the cash flow now I'm really that's what I was actually working on before uh, we got on our call, just thinking like if projecting ahead and and looking at that cash flow and what what kind of expenses I have coming up, you know, just so I can start thinking about how much cash do I actually need and how much do I need to do every month just to keep things at least equal, you know, so. That becomes a big change when you first get an employee, someone who relies on you for a salary each month. And I've always said that if it's just you in the business, it's not really a salary because if you make money, you make money. If you don't, you don't, you just take it and you don't really pay yourself a monthly thing. You just like, if you make money, it exists. And I've always said to people as they become an entrepreneur, like eradicate the idea of salary for yourself from your mind. Like it shouldn't really exist. You either make a profit, which then you can use the profit to pay yourself or you don't. But when you take on an employee, then you need to go, okay, I'm going to chart out. And I used to do this just on a simple piece of paper or on a simple spreadsheet and go, okay, what business have I got this month, next month? And I plan out the next six months and roughly what am I spending? And then go, is it going to be okay? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I think it doesn't have to be anything complex. It's just a simple, am I bringing in enough to be able to afford what I want to afford? Um, Mm -hmm. so I love where you've got to with this I love that you've done it on the side you've built up a like you've so smart and I think Dave Ramsey's stuff the financial piece university and his content is actually really good to get you started Mm -hmm. going and it sort of gets you out of debt gets you starting and I think it's fantastic it it kind of drops you at the point of where you're out of debt uh, and I'm mm-hmm. not sure his investing advice or his other stuff that builds forward is great. But in terms of getting you going, his baby steps are fantastic. And then yeah. that sort of then leads to, well, OK, once you've done that, then get into the world of financial independence, because they seem to be like right. the jumping point to go to the next step after Dave's Ramsey. Um, Which is where we're where where we want to be, too. <laughs> You know, we we listened to uh, Choose FI, which is how I actually came across your podcast because I think you maybe you were a guest on their show or something. And um, a couple of times, but yeah, that yeah, but that financial independence is definitely something that we are working towards. And I've just thrown the number out there that I want to do it by the time I'm fifty. So you know, <laughs> we'll see. I have seven years to go. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, we have some things that we're thinking about doing and, you know, just some little investments that we've made and, and had my business. But yeah, the Dave Ramsey was really good to get us out of that mindset. But it's kind of screwed with our head a little bit, too, because of that thought of everything having to be paid cash. And I do mm. firmly believe that. And I do I do pay everything I can cash. But, um, you know, it's just like having this credit card payment right now that that I just don't have the cash right now to pay for and it was just all these expenses that I had to do to get my employees started um you know it's messing with my head because well I mean I don't really want to be paying that interest payment anyways you know even though it's not going to be a huge amount of money but it's still somebody else is getting that money when I could just I do have enough cash in the bank I could just pay it but um I don't know so it, it we we definitely the Dave Ramsey thing definitely helped us 
a lot, especially in those early, early times where we were really just trying to pay everything off. And we never really had a whole lot of debt to, to begin with, but just like school loans, you know, and car payments. But I haven't had a car payment since then. And we bought a few cars since then cash, you know, I'm just, I'm not driving the top of the line, you know, $50,000 car, which I see so many people buying. And I'm like, how, how can people spend that kind of money on a car, <laughs> you know, but. Well, they're paying a monthly payment, so they're not spending that kind of money on the car and yeah. they don't even think of it like that. They think of how many hundred dollars a month is it? They don't think about like if they ever thought about it's a 50 grand car and I'm paying interest on the things and I'm probably going to pay back 70 grand over X period, yeah. like they would never buy it. And then if they thought about how much time that takes off their retirement date or adds to it. They would never do it, but no one thinks like yeah. that. No one thinks like that. So yeah. there's one thing I really wanted to pick up on about what you said, because Katie and I have been thinking a lot about this at the moment, and specifically in property, about debt. And I like to call it debt because it just makes it more real. You know, people right. talk about finance or loans or all of that stuff because it makes it feel more fluffy. But let's get yeah. real. It's debt. It's debt. And yes. you are taking on debt to do certain things. And there's the concept of good debt and bad debt. And good debt is by that technical term or by, it's not technical, but by that term is, OK, I've taken out debt to buy a property and that property returns more than I am paying. Uh, so mm -hmm. I'm earning money from that debt. And then there's bad debt, which is like a car loan, a boat loan or whatever you've bought. And it's not bringing you anything. It's just anything. sucking the lifeblood out of you. Yes. Um, and it's interesting about properties. So we have just paid off the loans on our investment properties. We have two investment properties, the studios. We're working to sell them at the moment. When those properties are leveraged, i.e. we have debt on them, mm -hmm. we earn about 14 to 15% return on investment because we've got mm -hmm. less money in there and we're borrowing money from the bank. When mm -hmm. we paid them all off, our return on investment is 3 to 4%, which actually makes it look dreadful because mm -hmm. they're not leveraged and all of our money is sat there and we're not getting as much back for the amount that we have in there. So this whole buying cash, buying for cash, paying off properties, it does change your figures. And looking at a paid off property, I don't want to own it, like 3 to 4%. That's rubbish. That's dreadful. Mm -hmm. I'd rather invest in the stock market with a simple Vanguard index fund any day of the week. And I don't have to repair the mold on the toilet that the last tenant has just sent pictures through with and the whole place is moldy because whatever really annoying stuff um mm -hmm. but that piece about taking debt 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 on a property can be a good thing because you earn more but the higher you are leveraged the more risky it gets because leverage cuts both ways and if the property mm -hmm. market goes down and you're forced to sell you can go underwater quite quickly which has actually happened to a lot of people recently with mm. some very overinflated house markets that have crashed back yeah. down mm -hmm. so it's a fascinating discussion about debt whether it's good whether it's bad how it works mm -hmm. 
I am, and you probably know, I'm the biggest hater of debt ever. I don't like it. Right. Uh, and I avoid it at all costs. And I don't think you ever need it to start a business or to do the different things. There's ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So as you go forward in your investments, it's thinking about where's the return? What do I want to do? How comfortable am I with debt or not? And mm-hmm. if you're buying a property, actually quite often it makes sense to have debt because you will have a better return. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that leads me to to that thought that, you know, we have we do have a couple of investment properties. And one, my husband's in now, like with his it's a warehouse building that he rents out a couple of like a little bit of the space he rents out and then he uses it himself. So he his business is paying, you know, rent towards towards that building. But um, but we do have another property that we're looking at knocking down the current building that's there because it's never going to make more money. I mean, it's, you know, it might increase uh, maybe $200 or maybe even a thousand or something in a year, but it's not going to ever like really bring in the income we would want, especially for the location of that property. Like we've got a high potential to, to do other stuff with that. So we're, we've been looking and talking about knocking down that building and building in uh, townhomes for townhomes and using it as like a vacation rental either long-term rental or vacation rentals. I know vacation rentals would be a lot better return um, for money there than, than the long-term rental, but the location is just phenomenal. And there's so many other businesses and big things that are coming into this town that it's just going to make it even more desirable for somebody to want to come and, you know, stay there as a vacation rental. I mean, we we're in a beach community, so the beaches just to hop away, you know, there's a downtown that it's real easy to walk to uh, from this property. I mean, it's literally the next street over. It's a safe area. So, you know, there's a lot of things going for it. And that's right now we've been kind of talking about like what it, what it will it look like for us if we went ahead and, you know, planned it. I could do the engineering work. <laughs> so I don't need to, pa- I don't need to pay anybody <laughs> to do that, you know, um, all the permitting we would need an engineer to do the structure part of Mm. like the actual building itself or the the townhomes but sounds uh, like you've got the network to help with that yeah we do we do have several people that we know that can help us with that (laughs) so I you know I think that that part of it at least I think we could try and at least plan it and see how how that part goes before we go and knock any any buildings down because we do have a current renter in there that's paying their rent on time and everything. So everything's going fine there. But, um, but if we decide to do this, you know, their, their lease is up in two years. So it'd be kind of good timing for us to get that in order if we just don't renew their lease and we start the construction after that. So I don't know, that's, that's something that we, you know, getting to that phi number by the time I'm 50, that would definitely help. help. This property would definitely get me, uh, or get us there for sure, um, or at least get us in the right direction. But um, I don't know. So I'm, I guess I am curious to see your thoughts on real estate. It sounds like you you have a couple of investments because I don't think anyone on the on the podcast has talked about real estate as their as a business. I mean, this would be like a business for us because you know we well we already have one uh, these properties that we're getting rent from. So we created an LLC to you know, 
to manage this money or to create the, you know, get the money and put it into, into a LLC account. Um, but as far as like a business goes, I mean, I don't know that anyone on your show has come on if that's what they do as far as their business, they, that they are, you know, vacation rental people, or I don't know, just multiple properties that they rent, you know, that they have rent, whether it's commercial or residential, you know, this, in this case, we would be both for us commercial because we've got the, the warehouse. And then we also have, if we do this townhome, it would be, you know, essentially residential in that sense too. So I don't know. I'm curious of what you're, so thoughts are with that, I guess. Uh, for the British people listening to the show, an LLC is a limited liability company. Am I correct oh, yeah. on that one? Yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, which yeah. our version is an LTD, a limited company. Um, but just just so that everyone knows where we are. And I mm-hmm. think no one has particularly talked about property. We did have one of the coaches that uh, said, I need to talk to you about property, but didn't want it recorded for the show. So we had a... Okay. an hour-long discussion of whether or not they should buy a property investment and my question is always what kind of life do you want to work towards living mm-hmm. and property is a business I think some of the big gurus out there in the property world say oh you buy a property and then you rent it out and you know the money turns up and it's passive income mm-hmm. and there is a scale of pacificity, if that is such a word. Um, mm-hmm. And at one end, you've got running your own business, which is not particularly passive because you are in it, running it, being an entrepreneur. It takes time. It takes energy. And at the very other end, the most passive form of investment I found is index funds because you just kind of put it in there and forget about it. And Katie mm-hmm. and I check our numbers once a month. And then we go, has it gone up? Has it gone down? Yes, we don't do anything. And then we track again the next month is the most passive I found. And then you've Mm -hmm. got property, which can be more passive if you have a manager doing it for you, like a managed Mm -hmm. property, or it can be Mm -hmm. less less, less passive passive if Mm -hmm. you are doing it yourself. So this morning, Katie was talking to uh, people like we've got mold damage on our property. We need to find someone to repair it. We're not in the UK. Um, We need a new tenant. The tenants just moved out. We're having to claim on the bond that was put in place because the tenant hasn't paid all their rent in the last month. It's not passive. And -hmm. it depends what you want to do, where you want to spend your time and what life you want to live if you understand it's a business and you want to work that business and you're happy to put the time in it can be an incredible investment it can be far better if you're leveraged like if we were leveraged i.e we had debt on the property we would be doing far better at the moment but that's not the phase of life we're in the phase of life we're in is i'm trying to do less work So I can spend Mm -hmm. more time on the projects I'm passionate about, Rebel Finance School, Mm -hmm. the podcast. I can spend more time traveling. But you're saying you've got sort of seven years until you want to get to FI. And actually, this might be a great investment if you're willing to do the work, if you're excited about it, like you're excited about the design and building it. It could be a fantastic thing to do for the next three, four, five years. And then 
You might even want to sell it off and switch investments to index funds afterwards. Who knows? But it could be a fantastic deal to get you ahead. The one thing I would say is property is not always easy to sell. And -hmm. I don't think anyone ever particularly talks about this. Our two investment flats we've had on the market for two and a half years. And for a bunch of reasons, we've not been able to sell them. And we've just had, we've had three offers on them in the last month that have fallen through um, because of a change of lending terms in the UK that nothing to do with us. Just the big Mm -hmm. banks in the UK have decided that they will not lend on properties that are under 30 square meters. And ours are Mm. 28. So it's two square meters off. Uh, and they've decided they won't lend on it. And there are lenders that will, but they're slightly higher interest rates. And those offers have said, well, we're not going to do it. And we've got these properties. So now we're looking at, well, we've got to rent it out for a year longer, maybe longer. And yeah. we have to hold on to it, even though it's not a great investment, three and a half, four percent return. I don't want to leverage it again. So it's just thinking about those things like property always sounds great, but it doesn't always work out and mm-hmm. like if i were you in that situation with you've already got that property i would be running the numbers doing the designs and going full at it especially if i was in the position you're in where i'm going i've got a plan to yeah. be fine in seven years this sounds like fun yeah. me and my husband can do this i've got all the contracts like i'd be full in doing the numbers and seeing what it is i think it's yeah. just going through and working out the risks as you're doing it and thinking long term like yeah. where am I going with this and what life do we want to live my eldest yeah. son's 14 um you know by the seven years he'll be 21 uh he should technically yeah. be off my books and out there living life <laughs> yes. uh, oh we've told our kids <laughs> 18 you're a, you're cut off <laughs> as you graduate high school you got to figure out your <laughs> your path whether it's college or whatever whatever owning your own business doing whatever it is (laughs) I love that but But no I I, thinking through those decisions about what you want to do and if you're excited about it but I think it's going in eyes wide open knowing it is a business it's not a mythical passive income source that you do it once and that's it it is a business that you need to run yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we, you know, my husband's got his own business and we talked about maybe him selling it in the, you know, at the time, maybe that we would have these properties going and he could just kind of transition to be a property manager or something like that. Um, but we wouldn't even be opposed to having somebody manage it either. I mean, if that was something, you know, to make it more of that passive, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. The scary part, I guess, is just Anytime you go into new construction and then I don't even know how, how the financing would work. We definitely have enough time to save up more money to put a bigger down payment, you know, just to have that, um, that there, but, you know, vacation rentals can make a good amount of money, Mm -hmm. especially in this area. Oh my gosh. Like people are, are coming like crazy to Florida and we live in a really pretty area. You know, we've got the beach right there. We've got a river that people go boating. I mean, it's very attractive. All these different businesses coming in. I mean, it's hotels and everything coming into this one little town. It's just, 
this would be the time to do it, I guess. But then, you know, the idea of building something new is kind of scary too. <laughs> so the extraordinary belongs to those that create it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would not be scared of building it. I would be thinking, let's do the figures, let's do the sums, let's work out what we're building and let's look at this. Yeah. And I think yeah. get involved and have a look at it. And it sounds like, so I have this thing about some people are so gung ho that I have to hold them back and make them think about the problems. Um, right. It sounds like you've thought through a lot of this and you're actually the opposite of gung ho. You're kind of like hesitant, but it's a good opportunity. So yeah, I, then definitely. I'm going like, keep, I'm, I'm going, okay, I need to push you a bit more to explore it. And yeah. I think that's the kind of coach's role is you're either holding people back to help them think about it properly before they do it, or you're going, just explore it, get in there and explore yeah. it. You've got the skills, yeah. you've got the industry. And I think, with you, I'd be going, okay, get in there and have yeah. a look. And for everyone out there, like there's no problem having a look at these opportunities and properly exploring it. Speak to the people, look at what you need to do, explore it, write down your figures, explore the cash flow, talk about an exit strategy at some stage and work yeah. out what your options are and what kind of life you want to live. And is this yeah. building towards the life you actually want to live or yeah. is it not? And I think I would be encouraging you to do that, yeah. Elia. I'd be encouraging you okay. get in there and explore it. Okay, well, that's good to know. <laughs> I mean, we are we are looking into it more. I mean, I think really the biggest thing is gonna be looking at what kind of building we can build I mean there'll be townhouses and and we'll try and make them all the same on the inside so the same toilet same everything so there's efficiency in man maintaining them but um but just the construction costs and just how much that would uh, you know we have an idea I suppose but we don't really know for sure and until we actually get into doing a design for or that what it's going to look like we're not really going to know yeah let's have happen. a little explore and so. explore tentatively and see what it happens yeah and on the leverage side of things i think building up a bigger deposit our apartments were leveraged 25 percent our deposit 75 percent financing and uh -huh. like that protects you quite a lot that's yeah. a, a reasonable level. I think when I look at other people doing property deals and they're putting the deposit on their credit card and they're a hundred percent leveraged and I'm going, this would scare the bejesus out of me. No, no, like, we would have definitely money to put down like cash money that we would be looking at doing. So for and sure. Leveraging it can actually make it far more profitable. So I think yeah. I would be saying to you, like you are so far on the cash conservative scale, like you yeah. are very conservative with your way you would do your money and your things. I think you can move a bit more central and be a little yeah. bit more. It's okay to have some leverage on an investment. I don't want that on yeah. my personal property. I don't want it on a car. I don't want it near anything I'm doing personally, but on an investment property, it does make sense. Yeah. So I, I'd just be okay. saying to you, like, you're okay. Let's explore okay. the figures, look <laughs> at good. them and have a bit more confidence. And I think that's part of the subtlety with who you're coaching and who you're working with, because it yeah. all depends on the, the person that's in front of you, because some people are so gung ho on their investments. It scares me. But that's mm -hmm. not you. That's not no. you. I've got a sense that. Yeah. Well, yeah. And my husband's a lot more conservative than I am. <laughs> no, 
<laughs> yeah. So I have to actually push him sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to have fun listening to this episode, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, mm-hmm. So look, the, uh, our time together is sort of coming to an end. Uh, yeah. Is there anything you'd like to share with the audience, the, the other rebel entrepreneurs out there? Is there anything you'd like to say to them that you've learned on this journey of launching your own business? Um, I think just, you know, following your heart and following, you know, your gut on it, but also not being afraid to just make things happen. And, and that's something that I definitely have always done. Just if I, if I have any hesitation to it, you know, I think about what that hesitation might be, but then I usually just go for it. And a lot of times it is that, you know, talking to the people or, or at least just starting with friendships, having that relationship, because that, that really does go a long way. And, and that's actually something that's been interesting as well lately, because after I announced like on LinkedIn that I was on my own, I had a lot of people reach out to me that, uh, you know, just friends, even just people that didn't realize, you know, what I was doing or that I was going on my own. And um, I've had a couple of coffee, um, coffee, you know, time scheduled with, with some of my friends just to see how we could help each other out. So I think that that's kind of a cool thing too, that, you know, actually that was an episode you had with Christina kind of recently. I don't know if it was a week or two ago that you had where it was for her to just kind of post on her, on her personal sites, just personal things that she did that like the business that she was doing just to let people know the kind of work that she did. And that is something that I started doing or that I was doing just like on LinkedIn. And uh, I even posted just on my own personal Instagram. And it really, I don't know, I think that that just putting yourself out there like that can make a huge difference. And I have had several people contact me just just a result as a result. So, <laughs> and people referred to me from that as well, because I even had a wow. coworker. Yeah, I had a coworker um, that knew I was going to be on my own, and he referred a friend of his to contact me for a potential project that he had going on. So, I, you just never know. <laughs> you never know who who you know, and and actually, that's something I've told my kids too. You never know who you know and when you're going to see them again. And with this particular agency that I'm working uh, with, or doing a lot of my plans getting submitted. I hired a lot of those people <laughs> so now because it's the same agency that I worked for, you know, and I hired several of those people. So if I was like a jerk to them, I mean, they could be a jerk to me back by not approving my plans or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. So I guess you just never know who you're going to meet and when you're going to meet them again. So that's another <laughs> thing I always tell my kids. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Elliot, thank you so much for being on the show, sharing your story yeah. and being so open. Uh, if people need a septic tank work in Florida, where do they find you? Uh, they could find me on LinkedIn, uh, just with my name, Elliot Twig. Uh, Atlantic Solutions is my business name, so I'm, I'm on there as well on LinkedIn. I haven't done a whole lot with LinkedIn uh, for my business just because I haven't had time yet, but that's something that I plan to do a little bit more of. And then I have my website as well, AtlanticSolutions.com, that they could always send me a note uh, from there. 
I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And the closing message for everyone listening to this, inspired by Elia, is number one, pick up the phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Reduce the gap between I should call that person and calling them and just pick up the phone because you never know where it leads. It's one of the best ways to create a connection. My second thought for you is what Elia does so well, lunches and coffees. We all need to eat. We all like coffees and teas and just connect with people, talk to them, meet them, find the people in your industry because it is incredible how small the key players in an industry actually are. And if you can connect with them and meet them, you never know what happens. And the final message is put yourself out there because you never know where it might lead. Mm -hmm. I like that. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> you can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a rebel entrepreneur.